BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Initiate. Broadcasting from the Rock and Roll Bomb Shelter. I'm ready. Surrounded by radioactive biscuits and the world-famous Rock Eyes. Located 40 feet beneath the radio station. It's the Big Fat American Rock Show. With your host, the Doc of Rock, the Professor, everyone's favorite mad music magician, crazy uncle, and your best friend in the whole wide world, Zach Martin. I'm with Vinny Apice, and his brother is Carmine Apice. My first question for you, Vinny, because I do know you, I'm, I'm good friends with your brother, is, is it Apice or Apice? Why do you two say it differently? Um, because, Car- hang on a second, because Carmine says it wrong. <laughs> uh, uh, now, the, fu- go ahead. the funny, funny thing is if you listen to, there's a vanilla fudge album from the seventies called, uh, near the beginning, it's a live album and Carmine did a drum solo after the drum solo, Tim Bogert introduced him as Carmine Apathy on the drums. So he was Apathy at one time. And I believe when he started playing with Rod Stewart, Rod Stewart called him a piece, ah. announced it. And that's when he decided to change it. And I didn't like the way that sounded, a yeah. piece. So I stuck with the way my father said it, which was apathy. And we have another brother, Frank, who says a peach. <laughs> that's great. It's well, crazy. Well, so it's three, three different pronunciations. I think the way that you say it, um, I will, I will hand it to you. I think that uh, your integrity is much better than Carmine's. Yeah. 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 You know, let's make fun of Carmine a little bit, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah. you know, Carmine played with Ozzy, you know, uh, in the 80s. And uh, so Ozzy, after the drum solo, go, Carmine, a piece. And then I played with Ozzy after that uh, for a tour in Europe with Sabbath. And he introduced me as Vinny Apice, and then I had to tell him the next day at the ho- in the hotel lobby that Carmine's Apice and I'm Apathy. <laughs> and, <laughs> That's the, great. and the next night, he was really concerned to get it right. He looked at me while he introduced me, Vinny uh, Apathy, and he's looking at me like for acknowledgement, like that he got it right, and he did get it right. Oh, it that, that's a good thing. So, yeah, um... so he, was, he was concerned about it. Say uh, somebody is listening for the very first time and uh, they they might be familiar with your name, but they're not really sure who this Vinny Apice is. I like doing what's called rock and roll resume, where you get to tell everybody about yourself instead of the disc jockey asking you all of these questions. So, Hello. Vinny Apice, it is time for your rock and roll biography. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I've never done that before. 
uh, in an interview. Uh, anyway, uh, let's see. I started playing drums because of my brother Carmine. He's 11 years my senior, and uh, I was inspired by watching him play and watching his gigs and all that kind of thing. And then uh, my first, uh, I grew up in Brooklyn, played with bands in Brooklyn, and then uh, one band, uh, guitar player, knew Jimmy Iovine, big big producer and owner of Interscope Records and Beats Audio. And back then, it was just Jimmy, he was just producing, and he brought us into the Record Plant Studios and produced some songs, and then they gave us a management deal at Record Plant, and then we hooked up with John Lennon. We did hand claps. Uh, my band uh, did hand claps on the song Whatever Gets You Through the Night with John Lennon. And then after that, uh, we started doing a couple other things with John. We did three videos with John Lennon, and then we did uh, a show at the New York Hilton that was taped for TV. It was a live show, and that was the last show we ever played. So... I got to do that, and I was like 16 years old. Wow. And then from there, from there, I went on to play uh, from that same studio, uh, Record Plant uh, Connection. Rick Derringer heard me play in there. He heard some of the tapes, and then uh, when I saw him there, he got my number. He was ready to put his band together. He called me. So that was the band Derringer. We did three albums. And then from there, I had my own band called Axis, 1978. We put out an album called It's a Circus World, produced by Andy Johns, who did a lot of Zeppelin recordings and a lot of a lot of people. And from there, uh, I got a call from Black Sabbath. And uh, I actually got a call from Sharon Osbourne about Ozzy putting a new band together. But since it was in England and uh, I heard... You know, funny things about Ozzy, I actually turned it down. And then about a month later, I get a call from Black Sabbath. They're in Los Angeles. That's where I live. I went down and played with them. I'm in Black Sabbath now. So from there, it was uh, Black Sabbath for a while. Then that fell apart a little bit with Ronnie and Tony and Geezer. Uh-huh. Ronnie put together a new band called Dio. He asked me to join. I, I accepted that invitation and we did uh some some good albums with that and then it was back and forth with uh sabbath again in 92 and then uh dio again after that and then a little later on heaven and hell right which was the original sabbath really anyway well what what years were you with sabbath on the first run i'm trying to figure that one out the first run was 1980 to about 1982 Oh my gosh. I saw you in concert then when you were with Black Sabbath. Isn't that cool? Yeah. <laughs> in fact, uh, that was one of my first concerts. It was uh, uh, Blue Oyster Cult Black Sabbath. Oh, That's yeah. the same, Black right? Blue Tour. Right, yeah. exactly. So uh, yeah. I convinced my parents that they would let me go to MSG to go see you guys, and yeah. they're hesitant. So we go up on the train, New Jersey Transit, into Penn Station, and my parents agreed to pick me and my friend Chris Friel. We went to a boarding school. They were going to pick us up over by the post office on uh, 8th Avenue and 32nd Street, whatever that is on the corner. So we had a good time at the concert, man. But when I came out, there was so much pot in the air. I was (laughs) stoned. I mean, I was just, you know, tripping balls, as they say. Wow. Yeah, my parents forbade me for a good couple years from going to see a concert again. They, they, they didn't trust me. They didn't trust my judgment after that. Now, right. um, That's funny. I know at one point 
when I met you the first time was at a radio station in New York City, and I was working with your brother on various things. You, you, your brother and I get along very well. In fact, I introduced your brother to Leslie, who is, uh, you know. Oh, really? Yeah. I was the wow. guy. Yeah. He, you know what he did? He, he kept coming over to pretend like he wanted to hang out with me. And then all of a sudden, like, hey, man, who's that girl over there? I go, oh, that's Leslie. Oh, maybe one day you can introduce me. I'd like to be on her show. I'm like, all right, Carmine. All right, fine. So I made the introduction. Next thing you know, you know they're, they're uh, together ever since. And right. um, he wrote that in his book. Remember he wrote that book? Yeah. Yeah, whatever yeah. The, the name of that freaking book is. So he mentioned me in one of the chapters. So I got that going for me. But I, I, when, when I first met you, I don't know if you remember this, but I go, what are you doing now? And you said, I was working, you were working at Verizon. Remember oh, that? yeah. Yeah. What, hap- what happened was I came off the tour and I was really in the computers. And uh, so at that point I had time. So I went and got all the certifications from Microsoft, Cisco routers. And, and there I met some people and they kept saying, man, you're so good. You know, Verizon's looking for techs, you know? And I'm like, nah. <laughs> I said, I play drums. I can't do that. And they kept bugging me and bugging me and bugging me. And finally, I went down to meet them. They knew I played drums for Sabbath and stuff. And then uh, so when I met them, you know, they they interviewed me and then they uh, tested me on some questions. And I knew all my shit, you know. So yeah. they go, well, you got a job if you want to. And I went, what? Really? I'm like me? I never worked a job. So at the point at that time, music was a little, you know, grunge was coming in and it was a different time and there wasn't a lot of things I was planning in the career. So I thought, you know what? I like challenges. So let me let me check this out. So I I did accept the job there for a short period of time, which I learned a lot of stuff, which was cool. Well, I think that's great. It uh, what that does is it helps you relate to the average fan that might go to one of your concerts. You understand what it's like to just have what everybody considers a, an average everyday job. And I, I don't know if you remember this, but I was like going, Hey, uh, you got any openings for me over, <laughs> over Verizon? Because I was like, I got to get out of this loony bin. Yeah, um, it, was, it, it was like, wow. You know, well, well, I thought, see, when they first offered me drum clinics years ago, I yeah. never did a drum clinic and I was really nervous. So I was like, what am I going to do? Uh, what do I do for an hour and a half? All these people are here. But I accepted it anyway, even though I felt uncomfortable doing the first one or two. I thought, you know, if I don't accept challenges or anybody doesn't accept challenges, you don't uh, get a little further in life, you know, with ex- you get a lot more experience when you do things like that. So this was one of those. I thought, you know what, let me try this. Because the money was actually good. <clears throat> it was uh, a good job. And then I was around all these techie d- dudes. And we were building T1 lines and all this high speed. It was when DSL was coming out, all this DSL stuff. So it was very interesting for me. And plus, I got all the cool hours. Like, nobody wanted to work from 12 noon to whatever, 8 or 7 or 8 at night because they have families and stuff. Uh I don't have kids and all that stuff. And uh, so I I take all the odd stuff. You know, I don't care. The weekends, it doesn't matter to me. It's like music. The weekends, you always working so so it was a cool gig and it was close to the house and i learned a whole bunch of shit yeah so it was really cool and to me it seemed like you were really happy with that because i remember having a conversation with them like wow do you really miss and i know you miss being on the road because you're a drummer it's part of who you are but i i admired you 
for your willingness to go out and and have those jobs like at Verizon, to me, you probably didn't realize, but that was a big deal. That inspired me to say, you know. Oh, really? Yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, I, I actually studied my ass off, and I took the test for IBEW, which you had to take. Uh, it didn't matter that you had a college degree. This is great. Uh, what they wanted to make sure is that I took high school algebra, one and two. Oh, it, didn't, wow. it didn't matter that I had a degree in which I had to take calculus in order to get to the degree. I had to go back to get my high school records to show that I yeah. had algebra one and algebra two. That was so, oh so silly, right? I get to the location to take the test to join IBW to be a lineman. Uh, guys that pull uh, lines through the telephone poles, you know, the big gigantic right. electric lines. So. Right. I get it. I get there and I'm looking around. I'm like, oh, come on. There's no way that these guys know their algebra. And I, I, I didn't want to be judgmental, but I couldn't help but think that. I studied my butt off to try mm-hmm. to pass this test. Well, I, I passed it. I was the number one score. So they, <laughs> they, they got me in for an interview and I was ready to, yeah, man, I want to do e- IBW, get out of radio, do uh, electrical. And the starting salary was $7.95 an hour. This is this is right around 2001 when I, I was a new dad. I'm like, I'm mm. sorry, but I can't work in the New York area for seven dollars and ninety five. Yeah, right. You know, that's ridiculous. And I'm surprised mm-hmm. that you'd pay that low, considering the fact you made me take this really hard test, which I know I'm the only person that passed without a curve here. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, it was it was that at that time that you know I was thinking, well, if Vinny can go do something else, so can I. So indirectly. See, when, when you go and you meet people and they talk to you, and I was, mm-hmm. you know, a friend of your brother, and I'm, like, listening to what you have to say, you have no idea of how you're inspiring those around you. And I think that's a great story, and it's something that you should know, because that, to me, I, I, I didn't really know you, but to me, it was like, wow, that guy's a, a good example of, of how, you, how you live your life. You know, you don't let things to defeat you. Things aren't going your way. You might not like what what's going on, but you found a path no matter what. Yeah. So those yeah. are good things, Benny. Really good. Oh, things. I thank you. That's the first time anybody's ever told me. That. Usually, it's the drums inspire inspired them and the music inspired them. But this is the first time that's inspired somebody. But uh, but that's what you got to do. Otherwise, you can sit back and and uh, not do anything, and nothing's going to happen. You know, if you don't act, uh, you don't get a reaction. So. Uh, it's like, okay, I'm going to do this next. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, let's keep going, moving forward. Right. And, and, uh, and it was good. I enjoyed it there for that time. In, in my, actually I had a two week vacation, <laughs> which I thought, which I thought was funny, like two weeks and, uh, that's it. <laughs> so for two weeks, uh, vacation, one of the weeks, I went to Japan and played with a band. Oh, that's awesome. For the weekend. And and plus you got benefits, something most musicians don't even know about, right? Yeah, and you know what? The pay was really good. Oh, I'm sure it, it was. was. Lot, it was a lot more than $7 an hour, yeah. $8 an hour. It was really good, and then they had all these 401Ks. And it was like if people that worked at these telephone companies from years ago um, wound up having a lot of money when they retire. Sure. You know, you and, go, holy crap, really? And and really? on on the other side of it, a lot of musicians they they're still on the road to this day because they really didn't make as much money as people think. Yeah, exactly. Right? And it's kind of yeah. sad. We got. I think that we need to do something to help musicians. 
put their blood, sweat, and tears in their work. A lot of people make fun of them. You know the joke, uh, the guy delivering my pizza, he must be a musician, uh, those kind of things. I don't think yeah. I don't think it's kind. It, it might be funny every once in a while, but it's not really kind. Where would we be without music? Where would we be without art? Music gets people through a lot of things in life. Yeah. Hardships and uh, sadness and all that stuff. That, that's why it's always like, oh, you inspired me with the, the album Holy Diver. It inspired me. I had a hard time at that point. Right. So, um, yeah, so, so the, the problem, um, you know, a lot of musicians don't, you got to read these contracts. You got to, you know, I tell you, you got to control the income and you leave it to sometimes third party people collecting money for you or you're not doing it yourself and keeping an eye on it. You you can probably get screwed. Oh, you know? I can tell you with almost certainty you are going to get screwed uh, and you do have to pay attention. It's one of those things that I actually learned from Tony Robbins and he said, you, ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance will get you killed, and you have to take charge of certain things in your life. Finance is one of them. And yeah. let's let's move a little bit because uh, what the next question I have for you: Do you think by going out and working for Verizon like you did, it made you an actual better drummer? And did your attitudes change? And did your work ethic somehow adjust after that experience? It didn't make me a better drummer because. Uh, you know, I was busy doing that, but it it made me feel good about um, being able to accomplish something else. You know, that uh, okay, the music slowed down right now in this period. Um, you know, let me jump into something else that I like. You see, I didn't have to go somewhere and do something I didn't like. You know, I really liked doing that too. And actually, what happened was I had started building computers and networks and this and that. And then people started calling me. They huh. wanted computers. So really I had a little business on the side going, uh, you know, and then my friend had nine stores. I would be in charge of the nine stores with the computers and the, and the uh, T1 connections between the stores and the network security, all that stuff. So I, I really like doing that stuff. So it didn't make me a better drummer, but it definitely boosted my, uh, self-esteem and it's like okay an accomplishment like, that's great it's another thing on my on my belt you know another notch in the belt you know that and the, like i said before the drum clinics something i never did um and now uh, like another one was rock fantasy camps like about 10 years ago i started yeah. doing uh they asked me to do uh a rock fantasy camp and i'm like oh man okay what do i do i'm in charge of a band and and then uh, now i've done about geez, a hundred and something of them, but it's great to gain this experience in, in music and then other things in life, you know? Well, yeah. And you're also making life better for people around you. People like going to the rock and roll fantasy camp. They like the drum clinics. It, it keeps you busy and you're, you're sharing a little bit of yourself. And then you have your own drumming tree when you think about it, you know, you, you're part of your brothers, but then there's the, the, uh, I guess you'll say the disciples of Vinny apathy as opposed to yeah. Peace. <laughs> right right yeah i mean uh, you know we've been going luckily for such a long time and that's the other thing too you gotta uh, we've had a long career because we never stopped really you know when i started in 1976 with rick derringer or john lennon 
<clears throat> Derringer, we hit the road, and it's like been on the road forever since then. And Carmine, the same thing. So we never stopped and took three years off and got fat and lazy. You know, right. we just kept going, kept doing new things. Carmine was a great inspiration for that because he he did other things. He vanilla fudge, and he wrote drum books. He opened up a drum school. He he's very ambitious with things, so that inspired me to. You can't just sit there and complain that nothing's happening. You got to go out and make it happen. And bet- between you and I, if he never told you this, he really loves you. I mean, he was like, you know, oh, yeah. brother, you know, and he was always looking out for you and always would talk about you uh, just in regular conversations because it would come up like, how's your brother doing? And I don't know if we would just, you know, have a couple yeah. of wines and we start talking about Vinny. Um, yeah. Now. Yeah, you, I love him, too. You yeah. Know, I, I mean, he's, I, I, I'm really proud of what he's done. And he was a, I tell him, you know, he knows he's a big inspiration for me, you know, yeah. to 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 do this and to play and to be good. The good thing was he was such a great drummer that when I started playing, I had to be good. Otherwise, I'm going to be <laughs> Carmine's brother. He's, he's OK, you know. <laughs> But I want to kick his ass. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Now, And he was, you know, had to do that. Well, uh, Carmine and I are really good friends to the point where my daughter calls him Uncle Carmine. And um, every time Do You Think I'm Sexy comes on and she's rocking out, I go, I'm going to call Uncle Carmine. Tell him you're listening to this song and he should get (laughs) another dime for that. And I always would listen to, let me have a dime so I could call your mother. I'm like, what the hell does that even mean? Like, what, are you, what are you doing? You know, uh, I was kind of a weird lyric. Now you're with Last in Line. Why, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? All right. Well, Last in Line started uh, in 2012, maybe. Uh, Vivian, you know, we've kept in touch. Vivian Campbell and I have kept in touch. And Jimmy and I have really kept in touch because we've done a number of different projects along the years. So we're all in touch. And then one day uh, Viv called up and said, I just spoke to Jimmy. You you up for a jam? You know, you want to have a jam uh, next week? You know, play some songs, have some fun. I said, yeah. So we got in the studio. We played some of the Holy Diver stuff and Last in Line stuff, those albums. And uh, we had a, a really good time. And we decided to do, to do it again the following week. So when we did, I called. Uh, I knew Andy Freeman was in town. <clears throat> a friend of mine. He came down and he knows all the songs and he sang some of the uh, Dio songs and he blew everybody away. Like, wow. So it was so good that we wanted to do some gigs. So we, uh, our manager, Steve Strange, booked us, uh, I think it was just one gig in L.A. at the small place. And we get there and shit. And there's so many people there. The place is it's small, but it was jammed, you know, so. We played that night and people went crazy. So we thought, let's keep doing this and see what happens. And we went over to Europe. We played there, played Japan. And uh, and then uh, we got an offer to do a record from Frontiers Records. And we did an album called uh, Heavy Crown, which came out right before. It came out right after Jimmy died. <clears throat> Jimmy passed away, you know, bass player. And... Uh, so that was hard. And then eventually we regrouped and we got Phil Sasson on bass. And now we just completed the second album, which is out February 22nd. And uh, we've been doing a lot of gigs. We've been doing a lot of touring 
in between Def Leppard's schedule with Viv. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Oh, that's really so, awesome. And it's and it's really cool watching this grow into, you know, each time we go out and play, we're getting more and more people, more and more fans. We've got a great fan base and some great fans. And uh, it's really cool watching something that we started together that's our own get a little bigger and bigger each year. That's, you know? Yeah, that is really cool. I guess you guys, you didn't have any gigantic expectations. You just went in it for the fun of it, and it grew from there. Yeah, and now it's like, you know, a, a legitimate thing, a legitimate band, a legitimate uh, little business, you know. We go out. I I handle the money. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. handle the money. That's good. That's why it it's we're, we're afloat. And uh, we don't, you know, do it with, uh, you know, some accounting firm somewhere. Yeah, that, it's a waste of time. Besides, um it's almost like you got to pay so much money to have an accounting firm who really isn't buying into your project, uh, tell you how to spend it. And then after they get done doing all the books, you've got what a few thousand dollars left. You're right. Just don't yeah. even bother well, with it, those guys. It happened in the very beginning because it was, there was no direction really. Then that opened my eyes and said, you know what? I got to handle this because this is going to be stupid. I mean, I even take care of all the, all the VIPs, you know, all the VIPs yeah. we get, it comes to my, Computer, I, it's in our account. I know exactly what's going on, uh-huh. and the money's paid direct to us. And uh, yeah, I'm right on top of this, like uh, ridiculous. Wow. And that's why we make money, and that's why we can afford to go out and play and get a little bit more comfortable with the travel, you know. So that's why it's important. Uh, like I said before, for new bands and new musicians, you got to have your stuff come directly to you. Mm-hmm. You know, like when we did the Holy Diver album, I got uh, some writing on that album, publishing. And I sat down with Ronnie and Wendy. And Wendy offered to collect the royalties for me and pay me, you know, send me a check. And I went, oh, that's that was convenient. How cool is that? You know, and I was a lot younger then. But luckily, I chose to do it myself and have uh, like Harry Fox as a collection agency, very big collection agency. And I did that route, and then all the money they collect goes directly to my bank account, or to yeah. Well, so, did, did that happen? That, did that because happen? when you do you do it the other way, what if you don't talk to that person after ten years? Something you have a falling out. Yeah. Do you think they're going to write you a check no. every quarter? Uh-uh. No. And, so that's an important route lesson right there. And they're also going to go. Well, you didn't make that much money on it. Here's 200 exactly. bucks. Yeah, people, uh, that's how yeah. people are. They get kind of um, unfortunately stingy. The thing about it is once you're in the uh, in the shoes you're in now and you're taking care of the band's money, you're the treasurer, you have to um, remember who you are and live in your integrity and don't, whatever you do, treat people how you want to be treated is the bottom line in, in yeah. all of that. And, and mm-hmm. you know, I think... Based on your brother, if you found out you were doing anything different, I don't know. You might be running uh, very fast down the street. I'm going to get right. you. I might be in exactly. my 70s, but I'm going to catch up to you one of these days. You know? um, yeah, you, you got to take, you got to handle it as much stuff as you can. Uh, you got to keep an eye on it if you're not doing it or do it directly through yourself. You know, make sure yeah. the money 
you know, I I, yeah. I I do the same thing at home, Vinny. As soon as my wife spends something on the card, I get a uh, a text alert, and within yeah. seconds, I'm on the phone. What is this thirty five dollars about? <laughs> she gets mad at me, but hey, listen, thirty five, thirty five, thirty five. That's uh, a hundred and thirty five bucks right there. You know, whatever. Yeah. So it's so just it's cut it out already. Right. Yeah. It's hundred five. Oh, hundred five. Thank you. See, <laughs> this is why I suck at math. Um, but uh, somehow I passed the test to make it into IBEW. See, I'm good at complex math. It's the simple yeah. arithmetic that simple. It always yeah. gives me a, a hard time. You know, when I when I uh, was playing with Tron Lennon, I used to work with him at night and then go to high school in the, in the daytime. Oh, wow. So it was such a difference of worlds. I was like, what the hell am I doing in this classroom, man? You know, like there's all that music I could be doing. And I just worked with John Lennon last night. And so I quit high school. You know, my parents let me quit and pursue drumming full time, which I did. Mm. But um, so since I left about, I don't know, 10 years later or five, I don't know what it was. But later on, I thought, you know what, I'm going to get my GED. Well, that's good. You know, my father was still alive and I thought that would be nice to tell him I got it. So I got a book and I studied. The only thing I had trouble with was algebra because I never did it. And luckily, my friend was good in algebra, and he showed me some ways, some techniques. And then I was able to run it through, and boom, went and took the test. I finished like 25 minutes, you know, yeah, and I got it. That, that's fantastic. Think, uh, most yeah. of us sit there for four years. You got it done in 25 minutes. It's one test. Yeah. That's, so, so I, told, I told my father, I had I known it was this easy, I would have quit sooner. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, no, what, what would you do if one, do you have kids now? Are you married or anything? No. Okay. I was married and uh, divorced now. Uh, no kids. Okay. But what, what would you do if your son came to you and said, Hey dad, I'm going to drop out of school. I'm going to work with this band down the street. You might have heard of them. They're Motley Crue. Well, you know, I, I'll tell you what, those are the years that you can take a chance and go out and do this stuff. Uh-huh. You know, when you, when you start going to college and all that, you're, blowing the young years where you have many years after that to, if it doesn't work out to move on to something else. So I don't know. I would probably let him do it, you know, uh, that's and, good. Then, and you know, if he, he had a promising career, and, but it's, the business is different these days, you know? Well, the one thing I like about the business these days is you as an individual, whether it's what I'm doing or whether it is with your, do, what you're doing because of the technology we can all just start doing it, right? I, it, it's, I, when I got fired from my syndicated show, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be a real pain in your ass. I'm going to create my own show. I'm going to put it out there on my own. I don't care if I make a dime. And then I'm going to put together my own website. And now I'm beating them on all fronts. I haven't made a, a, a nickel out of it, but I'm having a good time. I'm doing what I want to do. And that, right. that's, yeah. that's the key. If you want to be a musician, you want to form a band, great. All you have to do is keep writing songs or cover some songs very well. We'll get to that in a second. And then go play. Go gig. Always keep busy. Because if you're keeping busy, you're not going to get in much trouble. Right, Vinny? Right. Exactly. you got to keep busy. you got to keep moving on. You can't sit Okay. Sit, sit on your ass doing nothing. That's right. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about rock and roll and uh, what you were listening to growing up. I know that you must have been a big fan of Led Zeppelin, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Led Zeppelin was the shit. You know? All right. How long did yeah. it take you to realize that they were pretty much a cover band? Um, I didn't realize any of that. Uh, I know a lot of the songs from the first record are old old songs, 
but what arrangements uh, they did were just incredible. Right. So, um, and then after that, uh, the second album, uh, you know, I don't even know um, what happened after this. I know some of the songs from the first album are old R&B songs. Right. They're usually Willie Dixon. uh, uh, Yeah. What's his Robert Johnson? By the way, "Trampled Underfoot" is a Robert Johnson song, right? Mm-hmm. And when you listen to the lyrics, I think I think to myself, did they have air conditioning cars back when Robert Johnson wrote this? You know, talking about his AC. Um, right. And then uh, when the levee breaks is a Memphis mini song written in the twenties. And when you oh, listen, really? yeah, I didn't so, know that. And, and nobody's fault but mine. I, I think it's it's either Helen Wolf or uh, it could even be Robert Johnson, but it's some old bluesman. I forget the name of the person that did it. But I was mm-hmm. blown away as I started to do more research and get into this stuff. Uh, now, I made the uh, tactical error of bringing up uh, when Robert Plant had his solo album out around, I'm going to say 2004. I go, hey, so these are really interesting covers. And he goes, well, they're not covers, they're interpretations. Whoa, excuse me, interpretations. But um, I think he's right about that, that whatever Led Zeppelin did, they figured out a formula that really worked for them. New HD is a unique media platform giving a means of expression to millions of individuals living on the autistic spectrum as well as other additional needs. Talent meets opportunity on New HD, where the neurodivergent community is given a voice in an environment adapted to their needs. For more information, follow us on Twitter at New HD Radio. Follow BFA on Facebook at Big Fat America. Zach Martin on Twitter at Zach Martin Rocks. And Zach Martin on Instagram. Wait, Zach is on Instagram? I can guarantee he has no clue how to use that. See all the interviews and videos at ZachMartinRocks.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.